Happy New Year, divers. Welcome to Mysteries of the Deep. I'm Tom Feeney, podcaster and purveyor of pop culture propaganda, searching beneath the surface of what seems to be the ordinary, the mundane, the pedestrian. This week, we look at an unusual phenomenon within the motion picture community. Why are movies released in January considered disposable by studios, distributors, and theaters. Is the month of January really just a dumping ground for films that aren't expected to do well? Let's dive in. Since the very beginning of the motion picture industry, movie studios have agonized over crafting the perfect release schedule for their films. The right release date can make or break a movie's success. Sometimes. Of course, in recent years, the onslaught of streaming media outlets has forever changed the game for choosing when movies are released. It's a chess game that's played every year by every studio. Some companies, like Marvel Studios, have turned managing release dates for its projects into an art form. But how are these decisions made, and who makes them? Well, typically speaking, it's a decision made by a group of individuals. Many times, the release date is decided before even one frame of film is shot, before any actors are cast, and even before a director is named. Why is this done? Well, to put it simply, there are only 52 weekends in the year, and there are even fewer desirable dates, like the summer months when theater attendance is at its peak. Let's say, for example, that a movie studio wants their big-budget, star-studded, action-packed film to open in as many theaters as possible. When is the best weekend to release it? Well, there are a lot of factors involved. What is the competitive landscape like? What other films might be released around the same time? What holidays, sporting events, or other happenings might impact the availability of the audience? So here's one you might not have thought of. How available is your talent to do press for the film? Your main actors need to be available if they are contractually obligated to support the film's marketing campaign. Also, what type of film are you putting out there? Action movies do well in summer, but are not exclusive to that season. Horror movies released in October seems like a no-brainer, but if too many are out there at the same time, it can spread out the box office too thinly, ensuring that none of them are really successful. Now, Christmas movies, yeah, you want those out between Thanksgiving and December 25th. But what about romantic comedies? Perhaps the weekend before or after Valentine's Day is a good bet. And you'd think with all of these factors to take into account that studios have scheduling movie release dates down to a science. Well, not so much, especially when rival studios are vying for the same theatrical real estate. This bat vigilante is like a one-man reign of terror. Press has to do the right thing. You don't get to decide what the right thing is. Nobody cares about Clark Kent taking on the Batman. 
next time they shine your light in the sky, don't go to it. The bat is dead. Bury it. Rated PG-13. Back in 2016, Warner Brothers chose to release Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice on May 6th of that year, presumably to get an early jump on the summer movie season and rake in a few extra million dollars. Another entity, however, had its sights set on that date for its own huge superhero epic. Soon up in 10 days, the movie event of the summer arrives. What do we do? We fight. Captain America's Civil War is a triumph in every way. It's remarkable. Everything a blockbuster should be. You have a metal arm? That is awesome, dude. Captain America's Civil War. Rated PG-13. Get tickets now. So what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? Well, in this case, the immovable object moved. Warners changed the release date of Batman vs. Superman to March 25th, two months earlier. It was a game of cinematic chicken that Marvel won. With Hollywood producing around 700 movies per year, of course releases will overlap. It's rare to have any weekend with only one film coming to a theater near you, so the studios can plan all they want, but ultimately it's still a crapshoot. But what if a studio actually wants a movie to go unnoticed? How is that even a thing? You spend millions of dollars making a film only to look at the finished product and say, nope. And that brings us to January, what is referred to in the motion picture industry as a dump month. Don't just take it from me. Hello, I'm Dr. Evil. I preempted this program because I'm furious that North Korea and Sony Pictures have both given evil organizations a bad name. I mean, what the F, people? It's just so pathetic to see you two fight over a silly comedy. Let's start with you, North Korea. You're one of the most evil countries in the world, and your act of war is to kill a movie? It's easy to kill a movie. Just move it to January. Yes, the month of January, and even into February, has been considered a dumping ground for movies that their studios had little faith in commercially or were contractually obligated to release theatrically. But why January? Well, this month seems to be the perfect storm of factors leading to low box office. And storms, by the way, are actually part of the problem. Mostly in the northeastern and midwestern United States, Harsh winter weather has kept moviegoers away from theaters during January and February. Also, people are recovering from the financial burdens of the holiday season and cutting back on their discretionary spending. Not to mention that the movie studios themselves are busy campaigning to get their more uh, important movies noticed for Golden Globes and Academy Awards consideration. Even so, 
it doesn't seem like a good investment to just dump a movie into theaters in January. But if a studio thinks they may have a flop on their hands, it can be a way to cut their losses. In extreme cases, a movie that is pretty much completed can be canceled altogether. The recent debacle with the Batgirl movie is a recent example. We did a podcast about that last year, so check it out. Of course, there are exceptions to the rule. Some films released in January defied expectations to become genuine hits. In January of 2008, a movie snuck into theaters with little fanfare, a lot of secrecy, and a title which says nothing about the film itself. Something has found us. On January 18th. You don't know what we saw. The point is, it's still here. Once you see it, nothing will be the same. Do you know what that thing is? Whatever it is, it's winning. From producer J.J. Abrams. Fight! We've got a fight! Where are you taking her? Cloverfield. Little PG-13. The found footage monster movie Cloverfield made a huge impact on movie-going audiences and the box office, making over $172 million domestically against a budget of $25 million. The movie Taken with Liam Neeson, about a man with a particular set of skills, was an unexpected hit in January of 2009. Both Paddington and Paddington 2 were released in January of 2015 and 2018, respectively. It seemed as though, for the most part, the practice would continue into the 2020s. In fact, January of 2020 would see the release of a number of forgettable movies, including Disturbing the Peace, The Last Full Measure, and The Rhythm Section. Remember those? Me neither. In fact, there were only two so-called big-ticket movies that month. Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr., which did little at the box office, and Bad Boys for Life with Martin Lawrence and a pre-slap Will Smith that actually wound up being the fourth-highest-grossing film of 2020. Two months later, the United States and much of the world shut down due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Stores closed, travel plans were canceled, people began working remotely. Basically, every aspect of daily life was impacted, including the motion picture industry. Welcome back. Coronavirus has had a substantial impact on the film industry, especially movie theaters. Like most non-essential businesses, movie theaters were forced to close their doors in mid-March, leaving them with damaging financial problems. Joining us now to update us on where the movie theater business currently stands is John Fithian, president and CEO of the National Association of Theater Owners. Thanks for being with us today, John. And your association represents operators of more than 35,000 movie screens across the country. Give us some perspective here. Just how devastating has this pandemic been on your members? Well, in 120 years of movies being in our cinemas, we've never had to shut down like this before. We've been through wars uh, with natural disasters, depressions, but this pandemic shut us down entirely all across the country and indeed all across the world. And so we went from an industry making $40 billion a year to zero overnight. 
things haven't gone back to normal for the movies. Studios are still trying to figure out when and how to release their films. Streaming, theatrically, both at the same time. It will be interesting to see, over time, what will become the norm. Now, as of this recording in January of 2023, the release calendar looks mm, fairly anemic. It's got Tom Hanks as a suicidal, grumpy old fart and a man called Otto. Who doesn't want to see that? Although, I mean, it honestly doesn't seem like a sleeper hit in the making. Most of the month is a mediocre mishmash of horror movies, thrillers, dramas, and comedies. There is one movie, however, that's been generating some buzz. Probably because the title character needs to be plugged in to charge every night. This is Megan, Model 3 Generative Android. We're gonna be best friends. Crazy. It's insane, right? It's nice to have a friend. I designed Megan to protect Katie from feeling lonely. Eat the toppings, Katie. Experts say. Megan, turn off. I thought we were having a conversation. I won't let anything harm you. Megan! You should run. Did Megan do something bad? Nice. Hi, I'm Megan. Will Megan defy the odds as a movie with no stars and an unknown director? Well, considering it comes from horror studio Blumhouse, which has a good track record, I'd put my money on Megan being a pretty big hit for both Blumhouse and distributor Universal Pictures. I'd probably go see it if I were you. Wouldn't want to make Megan angry. Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at the deep dive podcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to those on our Linktree site, the Deep Dive Podcast by Automaton. And don't forget to check out our official website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. All clips used in this podcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Mysteries of the Deep is a production of Automaton Studios. interview it was charming but if you really want to put a bomb in a theater do what i did put in the love guru <laughs>